podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome again to 4020 Live. It is Monday the 27th of March, just to prove it is live. It is? It is. There's daylight, it's summertime, there's a blackbird on the window. You're supposed to sleep then, aren't you? I don't know, as long as it's not... Well, there's two of them, oh, there's three of them now. Unless they're, uh, if they leave the the roof, does the empire collapse? Yeah. Empire. All I know is magpies. Two, what, one's not good. One but for two's sorrow, right. two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy. That's what Tommy Boyd taught me. Welcome to the program. Uh, Rugby league talk between now and whenever we finish, which is another exciting week in which I felt very old because all the headlines about Mike Ford being involved in the ownership of Oldham spoke about his son. Well, I was remembering him as a player, of course. Phil's even older because. You're, now Jamie Peacock's son's playing. I know. You're going to get the rights to write his book. <laughs> Buy them now. Get in, get in early. Get in early. It just makes you feel old, doesn't it? But uh, no, it, I, I think overall been been quite a good week. The Oldham story is a good one. I, I don't know whether how much of that is down to again IMG bringing in new criteria and clubs looking at themselves and saying this is what we need to do. So moving to Boundary Park or back to Boundary Park, great. New ownership talking about pulling in. Um, all of some of the famous people from Oldham who played the game as, as coaches. Um, a bit of a feel-good factor. They won yesterday, which they may well have done anyway. But uh, that's, I think that's been a good news story. Cornwall winning their first home game. Good viewing figures for Channel 4 again. Um, and I, I think we, we were just talking about it. that We mentioned on the show last week that perhaps there'd been a slight dip from the first couple of weeks and back on an upward curve. Yeah, I thought there were some good ga- good games at the weekend, entertaining. Uh, in particular, I thought the Wigan game was probably one of the highest quality games and entertaining games I've seen this year. And you know, I thought the Leeds game perhaps not quite as good in terms of quality, but for entertainment, it, it kind of had everything, didn't it? it? Had plenty of points, unlike Thursday and Friday, which I think as a as a neutral and, a, and probably a, a less of a rugby league fan that you're appealing to on, on terrestrial TV, I think that. That helps, and um, yeah, it, it, you know the, the the score switched. People would have switched off at half time, and then you know tuned in the last few minutes and were surprised by the result. I, in fact, I watched the first half and then had, couldn't watch the second half, so I had to catch up with that. And I'd seen the result when I watched the second half, but it didn't spoil the entertainment. No. I thought it was a really good game. I thought the other thing about that was it was enhanced by the atmosphere in the stadium. And to get, again, four, over 14,000 fans in when you're not relying on away supporters, um, some offers to get people there who might not have normally gone, a different kick-off time on a lunchtime on a Saturday, just the, all that all lent to it. Um, and, and again, you know, you can have the best game, but if nobody's cheering, it's not quite the same as a crowd getting so heavily invested. I agree. Uh, I and and it, it, it lent to yeah, everything. When I tuned in at 12.45, I thought, oh no, it's going to be... It's, there's hardly anybody in that North Stand. And they it, were all having their brunch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They all filtered through from the corporate areas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the food was too good. The prawn sandwich brigade. Yes, as Roy King would call them. Absolutely. So, we'll start with Leeds then because they beat Catalans. So Catalans unbeaten run at the start of the season is over, which means that Warrington, it is their year, um, as some people have probably already written today or over the weekend because they are still unbeaten. But Although they are going to lose a player. They are going to lose a player, but it's still their year for now. They are the world champions as well, which we'll, we'll come to in a bit. 
but Leeds, as former world champions, having been disposed last week by Castleford, just shows the topsy-turvy nature of Super League this season and, and generally in the past few years. And, and also, for the people who say, well, the championship's so unpredictable. Yeah, but so Super League as well. It, it, old sport is unpredictable. Um, what a comeback, again, in the second half from Leeds. Rowan Smith, obviously in the first half, he's the worst coach ever, and in the second half, he's, well, he's great again. Clearly, the first half, there was an issue because they didn't have a captain and did short short Shot kick-offs, kick but the second half that didn't matter uh, they, I think they, they won it during the period when Harry Newman was in the Simbi um, it's not often when a team goes down to 12 man that they'll score 8 unanswered points and it, that just seemed to lift everything um, again just some key performers like Blake, Blake Austin's individual performance was as good as I've seen in a lead shirt um, but then you look at the stats afterwards and he was involved in absolutely everything You know, 5 of the tries but also Hell of a lot of running meters, which was great. Um, Jared O'Connor, really impressive. At, you know, a week that's gone by saying there's extra pressure on you because Cruz Lehman's going to be leaving. Corey Johnson makes a start, had a very good 15 minutes as well. But it, it was a little bit about Harry Newman, I think. You know, we've got an England team being picked in, in the next couple of weeks for the international against France. You know, He's trying his hardest to make up for not having been in the World Cup team. Scores... Two tries. Uh, the second one was a you know, fantastic breakout effort at the end. But also managed to get Simbin as well with a little bit of attitude. I, I, I don't really mind that. I think the best players have always got something about them. But is it a fine line between abusing a referee and being caught up in the moment and over-enthusiastic and passionate about what, you, what you're saying? I think it probably comes with maturity as a player, doesn't it? He's still young, he's still relatively inexperienced. I think he'll probably learn there's a way in which he can express his frustrations that doesn't lead him to being put in the sim bin. Um, I believe he'd added a go in the first half. I don't think that that was the first time that that had happened in the game, and I suspect that's probably why Liam Moore's patience ran a little bit thin at that stage. Albeit, having said that, I think he had uh, Harry Newman had a had a had a point. That for me, the, the first offence was caused by Catalan by allow, by putting him in the rook. And actually, I think if if Liam had had his time again, he may have waved play on because the first offence was by Catalan. They'd got to play the ball away. Yes, it had hit Newman. But if Catalan could pick the ball up and play on, then I think that, that might have avoided it. That said, that doesn't excuse Harry's reaction. And, and, you know, Liam, particularly with what may have gone on in the first half, obviously felt that... You know that was the opportunity to um, to put him in the sim bin, and uh, as much as any, because we clearly do, we don't know what was said, do we? But no. but you can visually see his response, and uh, and that has he's as bad in some ways from a referee's perspective because that's visually undermining your authority. So you know, yeah, I think with maturity, he'll probably learn to to deal with those situations differently. Well, I had a ban after getting. Simbin at St Helens last year for similar offence. Yeah, that was so worse. That yeah. was, worse, but he's yeah. got to learn. He's, cl- he he's clearly still yeah. in that learning process. Two hundred fifty pound fine and no ban. About right, appropriate. What do you think? Well, it's in line with obviously with the changes that match review panel made. Uh, uh, to be honest, I think it probably is appropriate for that. It, it, you know, in terms of what we've seen uh, of, of descent, it, it wasn't the one of the worst examples, and it, it wasn't anywhere near what what we saw last year where he was protesting with, I think it was Tom Grant who refereed, wasn't he? He was referring something to the video referee and that, that was dreadful. That was sort of, um, looked a little bit like football. So, 
yeah, it wasn't as bad as that. And the way that match review panel have gone, no, no, no game and a fine. It lays down a marker, doesn't it? I was going to mention football because obviously, would you ever want to referee in the Premier League? Because they just seem to be completely out of control players. And I'm not turning this into a all footballers are evil and all rugby players are, are, sin, are saints because we know they aren't. But it does seem that they, the sport, not just the referees, but the the FA, the Premier League, they don't want to give out bans to players for even pushing referees as we've seen in recent weeks, which is just beyond that. Yeah, I don't know what that player got, if that's been sanctioned I yet. I don't think he's been... That, that, not, no, I don't but think that was terrible. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know where you start with football. It's such a huge issue. Mm. And, and But ultimately, the, 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 the governing bodies of that sport have to come together and agree that proper sanctions are going to be given. You know, and finding the player in the Premier League two hundred fifty quid <laughs> yeah. clearly is not the answer, is it? Two hundred fifty thousand pounds, maybe, but not two hundred fifty quid. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, for me, in the Premier League, it has to be about putting players on the uh, up in the stand. But yeah. what you then have is what we've had in Super League probably last year, where where play, expensive players are being uh, paid to sit in the stand. Club owners are not going to tolerate that, so. Uh, they've got to find a balance, haven't they? But for me, you know, I saw an example today on social media where there's somebody on a on a park field, a football park field, having to go to a referee, and somebody's filmed it on a on a mm. on their phone or whatever. And once he realises he's being filmed, he stops doing it. Well, he shouldn't be doing it in the first place, should he? No. Um, and whether football needs to go down the route the route of um, cameras like like rugby league have done in the national conference league and the community game, rugby league's been really proactive in that in in rolling out uh, this season. Lots of uh, sort of referee cameras. Uh, now, clearly, you're not going to do that in the Premier League, but at community level in football, I think that that could be the way to go. There's a great documentary where the former RFL president, Mr. Tony Adams, is uh, having great discussions with David Ellery in the past. It's, it's, it's worth worth seeking out. In, in... But that's an important one because that was a, that was a test, I think, or it was a one-off mm. game, wasn't it, where they put a microphone yeah. on the referee. Now, <laughs> referees have microphones on them in the Premier League, but it's not broadcast. And I think if you did broadcast it, <laughs> then it, that might be the reason for the FA to then step in and take action because you can't have that going out. What, what, about, what, what, what about a sin bin, though? Does football need to introduce a sin bin? Because, again, if you were to lose a player for 10 minutes, that might have a... In, in a game where you could only have one goal that decides it, that, that could be quite yeah, significant. And maybe that might be the answer because you're not, you're, not, you're not putting somebody in the back of the stand for yeah. a number of weeks, are you? But you, you know, you, you're removing a player for a period of time. So, yeah, that should be something they should look at. So viewing figures for Channel 4, we believe, were 400,000 for that game, which again, international football weekend, you're probably going to pick up some neutrals. And I think that's what came over, that if this is your first time watching the sport, there was enough there that you'd come back and watch it again. Um, as you say, you know, you can. how do you measure quality? I, I think everybody that, that watched that was captivated. You know, There was co- controversy about should or should Mitchell Pearce's try have been allowed. I, I don't know if we saw enough angles to have a view on that in you know, real time in the ground. Um, looked as though, yeah, and I think even Sam Tomkins said it at half time that had it been given the other way, very few people would have complained. Uh, but you had that, you had the tackle by Tetivano on Mike McMeekin, which was replayed loads of times on social media, um, and, and you ended with a length of the field try. It virtually had, it, it felt like this is a great advert for what we are. I agree, and it had the weather, didn't it? It had the sunshine, it which it, I think and it always makes it helps. Look different. It, does, it, does. it does help. And that lunch, it's funny, talking to some of the players afterwards, they felt different playing at a lunchtime on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not the same as being on a wet ground on a Friday night, you know, with 
under lights that probably aren't to specification. It it felt like more of an occasion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, in terms of the, the PS try, I, I, it was a difficult decision. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And I think without the live call, it probably becomes even more difficult. Yeah. Um, because because no direction no from try. the on field. It went up as no try. So, for me, I think given given it was a difficult decision, and and you could probably argue the merits either way. Having said that, I was more on the side of no try than try, and given the live call of no try, I think I would imagine in, in the group review today they would have obviously discussed that and and they would have come to they've had to come to a conclusion whether it was right or wrong. I, I would have suggested that um, staying with the live call of no try would have been would have probably been the right outcome because you're allowed to make a second movement, but in the policy it talks about um, if the momentum of the tackle takes him into the in goal uh, area anyway then that second movement becomes irrelevant. Mm. Well, his body never ended up in the in goal no. area. It was always in the field of play. Now, you might argue that's because he had a tackler on him pulling him back and the second movement was created by momentum. But for me, it's just all too technical. It, 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 for me, it was no try. Liam Moore obviously got the moment of the match, didn't he, for uh, having to go to Reece Martin's goal-kicking. Yes, which again tells you the humour. Did he get a two hundred fifty pound fine for that? So they should be using no, a player. It's, it's it's brilliant because again it shows that you know we do have that that level of humour and humanity between the match officials and the players. And uh, again, Reece Martin's reaction when he kicked a goal, having <laughs> missed five on the trot, which is only he's ever done in his career before. Having I mean, kicked seven hundred in a row, it was brilliant. Year. And and you know, again, I, I think there are some coaches that might have had a word with Harry Newman about his try celebrations because there's always a chance you're going to drop the ball and make yourself look foolish. But in the context of that game and that time and the crowd, it all seemed to be part of that entertainment principle. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I, I saw somebody's tweet about that comment uh, that Liam had made to, to Reese, and that. That's somebody that just doesn't understand refereeing, that doesn't understand game management. That's just a, a light-hearted remark. Yeah. You, you, you wouldn't say that if it was, uh, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be taking the mickey if they were 50 nil down or something. No, no you just, I think you've got to try and, as a referee, put across a bit of personality, and hopefully that's that's met with uh, a good response either way. You, you pick your moments and you pick your players. Yeah. Right. So that, I thought that was great. Everything about it, obviously, unless you're... Yeah, Catalan wanting to defend your unbeaten record. But I, I thought Steve McNamara was brilliant in the press conference. They had three really significant players who suffered injuries. Um, I, I thought particularly Ben Garcia d- doesn't get the credit he deserves, but his post-contact metres are absolutely unbelievable. And for him to go off, um, as well as Tyrone May in particular, was having a real influence on the game. Goudemont never really um, got started. I, I think you know he could have said, "Oh, we had three players. Our bench was down to one," and uh, but but he didn't. He, he was he was on, honest and, and and said, "You know, we the speed of the hurt us in the second half, and and that's why we lost." So I, for me, there were really no losers, and and the television audience were the biggest winners. I'm indebted to Brian Smith, of course, and I, wrote, I love Brian Smith. He's great. He, he gives people plenty of stories, such as. Jared O'Connor playing for the name on the front of his shirt rather than the back of it. And I'd already done a joke downstairs, which I can't repeat because I won't get the same reaction. But it was Leeds Building Society. was the punchline. But, but at least it... Um, so you did, you did, you did, you got it was a pointed remark, though, wasn't it? I picked up on yeah. that. Yeah, it was a pointed it's, remark, that one. I, I think it's all about I, the team. I don't know what who is advising Cruz Liam, and I don't know where he'll eventually end up. And it may well be that he's in. he feels personally he's in a better place because of all this, but where we sit at the moment, you would imagine if he was watching on his sofa on Saturday, he might be ringing his agent going, I think we could have made a mistake here. Well, he won't be in the England squad, will he? No. When's that now? But Jared O'Connor might. He might. Falling in his... Was he still playing for England? 
Played for Ireland as well. I'm going to say, I'm going to played say for Great played, Britain. Played for, played, everyone plays for everyone, don't they? Yeah. But um, no, I think the, the way he's reinvented himself and the uh, 65 minutes that he played, um, another excellent performance. And wasn't it heartwarming to see the classically trained dancer celebrating <laughs> their team's victory in front of the centre stand and Danny Capri? As well. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. We'll see you next week, won't we? We'll, we'll yes. be live in Leeds next week. I say live. I mean, we're in Leeds now, but you know, it's a different part of Leeds. We'll tell you more about that later. Uh, Leeds win, so that's exciting. Fourteen thousand three hundred twenty-one. It looked great on the telly. Um, they're doing stuff for the game, the double header in a couple of weeks as well. So again, hopefully that's another big crowd. Although it's on Sky, so it's not as important. But again, hopefully the same thing happens on Saturday. Warrington versus Hull, big crowd at the Halliwell Jones for a game on TV because that is the biggest window we've got. The games on Channel Four, the games on the BBC to the people out in the real world. Tony's asked if we have any idea what the Skyviewing figures are. No. Because they've hidden it on the Barb website. You can't find out for free anymore. So We do know that the a, a decent figure for a Sky game on, on any Friday night is around about 200,000. So roughly the Channel 4 figure was, was double that. And we got a mention on the Italy-England game That's on, also more on Thursday. important as well. A little bit at the bottom saying Super League's coming on, so... Cross promotion. So I didn't hear what they said because I was working at the time, but I saw it on the bottom of the screen. So that's the important thing. Um, let's go back to Thursday then, when the, the weekend started with Huddersfield versus St Helens. Um, didn't seem the most exciting of games in terms of the scoreline, but I'm sure it was probably more exciting than they're making it out to be. Fourteen points to twelve. Saints won it in the first half. Ashton Gold is really good. I, mm. I like him, um, and he's and he's on the Super League show tonight. Um, Saints are grinding wings out, which is exactly what champion teams do when they're not quite flying on all cylinders. That's not their right. Have you firing have on you all Have you mixed yeah. the metaphor? <laughs> firing on all flying on, flying, on, firing on all wings. That's what they're not doing at the minute. Um, I'd have to say that I thought that was a really enjoyable game, a very intense game, defence orientated clearly. But uh, for this stage of the season, if that had been an NRL game, we'd have all been marvelling about how good the defence was, how disciplined Saints were. The interesting comments afterwards were made by some of the television pundits as to, you know, were Saints cheating for manipulating the Rook to their advantage, deliberately giving away some um, set restarts on the first tackle, meaning they were defending seven or they were prepared to defend a second set or possibly even a third because they believe in their defence. Is that pushing the rule to the limit, but, but isn't that what teams do if they're good well, enough to? Yeah, they do. I mean, it, it, they weren't the only team last year that we picked up on that uh, as a group that you know teams were willing to concede set restarts early in tackle counts, particularly in yardage, um, and that's not always an, an easy trend to identify as a referee as the game goes along across mm-hmm. eighty minutes. What tackle and what area of the field they're giving away? There's so many things to remember, by the way. So it might seem on the face of it quite easy to, to recognise when you sat in the stand, but. Um, running around a field um, with your heart rate going as well, and lots of other decisions at um, part of um, you know playing playing its part. That, that that's not always easy, but you know clearly the NRL made changes, didn't they, the, the other mm. year? Um, and it's perhaps surprising that the RFL didn't follow because we we usually do um, in in giving penalties for rook interference. You know, zero to forty meters, basically. which again goes back to the Catalan try when Reese Martin. 
gets given the set restart and then he's driven back. Yeah. It's his fault that he releases the ball, but <laughs> Leeds have actually been penalised for being given a set restart. Yeah, the, I think that's strong. And I, and I saw some other tweets on that. I think that's strong because ultimately, you know, yeah, if it was a penalty, Leeds would have had the opportunity to kick and get out of that. Yeah. I understand that. But they don't under the current situation. No. Under the current situation, he didn't have to force the pass. The attacker should have gone to ground and surrendered. So there are ways around it. But I, I do take the point that actually, you know, in old money, he would have had a penalty and they'd have kicked them, them, their way out of it. For me, I think it has to change. I think we have to go that way. It's another, by the way, it's another added level of complication for a referee Absolutely. because you've got to then recognise well, whereabouts are you on the field. You know, is it a 20-40 kick? Is it a 40-20 <laughs> kick? Am I inside the 40 in terms of am I giving a penalty or am I giving a set restart? So, you know, again, it's another change of referees. But uh, I think I, I think that, that has to be the way the game goes, to be honest, because the only measure the referee has against teams repeatedly infringing early in tackle counts or in yardage is to, is to put somebody in the sim bin. And that will be being discussed and they will they will consider that. But to do it on the back of one decision, you're never going to do that. So that's what you know Leeds would have benefited from in that situation, having a penalty to be able to kick themselves out of that position there. And in a narrow game, Huddersfield might have won that game with a couple of penalties rather yeah. than... But I would still maintain the set restart for me has its place and it has its mm. merit because it keeps the game flowing. Uh, and I don't think we would want to go back to days of giving penalties all the time because then you then you're going back to the reason why set restarts were first brought in in the first place, which was to create that that flow. And then you know there was one in the Leeds game where uh, Julian Busquet gave one away on the fifth tackle, and you could see his body language as soon as he gave it away. And it was a blindingly obvious set restart. He clearly held on far too long on a, on, on on what was a win effectively. So the Leeds player had got himself on the front, landed on his front, and head through the tackle. He'd clearly won that tackle and earned the right to play the ball. And, and Busquet wanted to slow it down. And you could see his body language when Liam waved six again on the fifth tackle. He was just deflated because they then had to defend yeah. without that break of a penalty kick to touch to where you can recover. He had to defend again. And that's why a set restart is good. So people who are talking about getting rid of set restarts, for me, that's totally wrong. But I think there is, I think there are grounds to, to go down the NRL route. And that's not just because it's the NRL. Mm. It's because it has some merit. I think the big stat to come out of the game was Matty Lee's sixty-eight tackles in eighty minutes. Yeah, impressive, unbelievable. Um, you know, that that is again England form. If we're talking about, I'm sending to that Scottish Rugby Union commentator. Love it, <laughs> sixty-eight in a in a year, yeah. but um, phenomenal effort. And because the Saints were prepared to defend that way, that that's why they came out on top. And uh, as you say, you know, for Huddersfield. It must be a little bit deflating because they know they're getting there. They know they are competing with the top teams. But that's two games running at home where they've lost by the same margin. And, and they've got to nick one of those soon um, to, to be genuine contenders. But but yes. You know. But who have Huddersfield played so far? They've certainly played Warrington War, at home and Warrington lost. They yep. played St. Helens at home and lost. lost. Wigan at home and lost. And Wigan. So, you know, if you're looking at the teams that are, are regularly, exception of Warrington last year, but are regularly up, up there towards the top end of the table, and you'd have to say that you know they played some of the better sides. But they need to knock one off. They do. To, they do for their own. Um, one concern I have is how many points have they scored? I'd be interested to see what the points difference well, is on the table because they don't. I don't think they have scored an awful lot of points. No. So the, the only one was it eight nil at Wakefield. 24, 84 points they've scored and sixty conceded. Yeah, 
They are the only team in the bottom half of the table with a positive points difference. Though. The, th- the thing about well, the defensively a really good side. Yeah, they yeah. are defensively a really good it side. It is about how and and even in the last three or four minutes when they were within two points, they couldn't create anything. Well, they're a fairly conservative. They play in a fairly conservative way because they're terms that certainly was last year, and I would imagine it would be the same again. That you know, Ian Watson talks about trusting the process. The process must be that you complete your sets, which is. Put a little, pressure on a little bit boring. But you've also got to score, but you do have to score. You've got to create something and not necessarily just rely on your last player. And I get that they've got Lola here and Farage to come back, which will help that. But Jake Connor coming in um, was quite rightly lauded and heralded his second debut, and again another great news story. But it didn't change that way that they play. It's going to be very interesting to see how, when he's fully fit and playing eighty minutes, a where he plays and b how he can have an impact on that area where clearly, you know, I think Will Price is, is probably the most likely to create a score. He's not going to yeah. be there next year. So knowing Ian Watson, he's probably not going to trust everything to go through Will Price this year because it won't be there next year. Um, no, but if two of you key playmakers are out and and um, your other one in, in Connor's just come back from yeah, a long term. It's why absence. they're not scoring. It, yeah, I think so. so but I think, they do have to let the shackles off every now and again. Yeah. Um, re-cheating. Mark Winstanley. I have made complaints to Sky, the RFL and Super League, but only Sky has replied with a half-hearted answer. It wasn't John Wilkie then, because he didn't have to it. But, um... I don't, think, it, I don't think it's cheating. I think every team with every coach has always tried to push the limits of whatever the laws is to suit their team. The one thing about St Helens is they are incredibly fit. They're ridiculously disciplined in terms of how they play with each other. It might not be disciplined in terms of how many penalties they give away. They know exactly what they're doing and that it isn't that much of a risk to give away another set of six on their own line because they're so good at defending it. Yeah, that, that, that they are prepared to concede set restarts. Now, as a referee, if you, if you feel as though you're giving too many or in a short space of time and it's a tactic, then they will go to the sim bin. So that, that's the consequence. But they are prepared to do that because they know they can defend because mm-hmm. they're fit. Um, but you know that that's the nature of sport, isn't it? You've got exactly. to push the boundaries yeah. and see how far those boundaries can be pushed before you you face the consequences of it. Um, badger, Badger saying something funny about Jake Connor being overhyped by Sky. Um, no comments. Um, if you were to give me now five mythical pounds and say the grand finals between St Helens and Warrington, who's going to win? I know exactly where I put that five pounds, and I know exactly who the bookmakers will make favourites. Uh, we'll come on to Warrington the, in a moment. I think we said it the other week that the interesting test for Warrington will be when this initial wave of um, enthusiasm, excitement, and victory they suffer a defeat or they have a couple of injuries. Thomas Michaeli looks like it's going to be his last game. He's going back to the NRL. That may not disrupt them because they've still got Josh Maguire to come in. But the thing about that is you're starting to disrupt what has been a winning formula. So. Let's see how it goes. Josh Drinkwater didn't play this week and they still won convincingly, so that's a really good sign for Warrington. The concern is, and, it, and the, the crowd at Keithley is an outlier for many and various reasons against Bradford. I'm not saying that's not a, a great thing that they've achieved, because obviously it is. But that was a higher crowd than Huddersfield got against St Helens on Thursday night. It was higher than Wakefield had against Hawkinson Rovers on Friday night. I know Wakefield haven't won a game and Hawkeye do travel well, but... That's going to be a concern that two clubs, and especially Huddersfield, who are up at the end, top end of the table or have been in recent years, and you can throw Salford into the mix as well. Two successful clubs in the last few years and Wakefield being beaten out by a team who's only just been promoted from League One. And I, I know there are reasons for the attendance this week at Keithley, but still, 
on bare facts and numbers. Yeah. I'm not sure what those clubs can do to get people in. Because sure have tried the giveaway tickets for nothing and it doesn't work because as soon as you put them back up, people don't come and watch. Wait for the trying to get a new stand. Well, they are building a new stand. And I'm not sure what Salford can do because they have been up there in the last few years. It's how do we get people to come and watch rugby league who aren't watching in the minute? Well, Keith's attendance was on the back of being on 4020 Live. Of course, absolutely. So all, <laughs> all Huddersfield and um, yeah, Wakefield well, need to do is yeah. come on, yeah. that's all. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the, in terms of the Keekley game, it's the first time they've played Bradford in, what, how many years in a competitive yeah. fixture? So, yeah. you know, at, at Keekley as well, which would have... Um, you it's know, the first time they've ever beaten in Bradford's history. <laughs> yeah, the current Bradford, yeah. Mm. But it, did it, it go back to virtually Second World War since... No, apparently it's the 70s. The, the initial stat that came out of the 40s or whenever, someone found the game in 1973 where they won 3-2 at Oxford. Right. Was that, was <laughs> Which that, must have been great. But was that, believe was great in was the that a league game or a cup game? Apparently a league game. Well, yeah. so, anyway, it's a, but a long, long, it's a it's long, a long time. time. It's a long time. Well done, Keith. I, I have some sympathy with the likes of Huddersfield um, because I think, as you say, that what more can they do other than be a successful team? Um, well, what more they probably can do, and, that, and I know they are trying to do, and I don't know how easy it is to do, is sell the game in the schools, have a foundation that goes out there in the community. Um, there aren't that many amateur teams that play directly in the Huddersfield area, and the ones that there are are linked in with the club. Uh, but it's not like you've got you know 70 community clubs around you because you start to move into Halifax territory. So although Sidall isn't that far away, it isn't a Huddersfield club. Um, I mean, I don't know traditionally whether Huddersfield have Huddersfield ever had well, big crowds. The, you know, well, they did, they, they did it with a team back. of all talents around about the First World War. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely wasn't alive then. Um, but I, yeah, this is what I'm trying to get to: is that yeah. you know, Salford have always, I think, traditionally had crowds that have you know been lower than other clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I was listening to somebody the other day, and they were sort of saying even when in the heyday in, at the Willows with. With the Willows Variety Club on that, nine thousand yeah, on a Friday night was, you know, but it was massive, and it was a Thursday night in Huddersfield, which is not going to be an easy night on a, on a school night to get to get school kids with on, England playing. Yeah, but I think it goes back to what we were talking about last week in that there's got to be more than just the eighty minutes. There has to be, a, yeah. there has to be a package yeah. to attract somebody to go to. And I think, you know, at Hull KR, that's what you see with the Craven Street there. There's something to go to in advance of the game. Something to eat, something to drink, and actually to stay to after the game. And I think that's what Keithy would say as well. That that's what they try to do is, yeah. is build more around the game than just the eighty minutes itself. If you haven't watched the what Brian Bevan said spin-off series tackle bags, where Dennis goes to all these grounds around the country, he's been to Cornwall, he's been to watch a rugby union game at Exeter. I think he had to take a mortgage not to go that. He went to Hull KR and enjoyed Craven Street. I think it was at Castle. I'm looking forward to the Cass episode coming up. So. Just, just have a watch. See what other clubs are doing. Cornwall, of course, the fans were all those cardboard crowds that Eric Perez has had uh, shipped over from Toronto. As we discovered last but week. clubs like Salford and, and, and Wakefield and Huddersfield will be sharing ideas with other Super League clubs and it's, other successful clubs and other sports if they've got something about it's them. It's about having the resource yeah. and allocating something to... But Huddersfield aren't short of resource. They've got Ken David there to support that. But, but you, can't th- just, think, yeah. you can't just make your season, tip, yeah. season ticket cheap and expect people to come... Um, yeah, that is one factor. But I mean, one of somebody was talking today to me about a, a women's football game uh, in Wrexham. I think it was. Oh, they had nine thousand. Nine over nine thousand yeah. people. Yeah, appreciate they were apparently they were selling tickets for a pound. 
and it was um, I think it was they were winning a trophy or something but I was astounded when they said that I mean that's as many as I think Wrexham football club now get it's a feel good factor around what's happening in Wrexham and it's, it's yeah. tapping into that but I do think as well that the crowd on Saturday felt young um, so again helps that it's a Saturday lunchtime there's no school you can take your kids but I think if you incentivise around the next generation that's possibly what, what Huddersfield and Wakefield and maybe Salford haven't quite conquered yet. I don't know how you do it. It's easy to sit and well, Wakefield have often had junior junior players at half time on pre game yeah. and things like that. I think that I think that has its place. I don't it know does. if Huddersfield do that. Um, Leeds certainly do that. that yeah. And you get you know, you get the parents going along, you get the children going along and you and may they, then get they want to go again yeah. after they've had that yeah. experience. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Huddersfield do need to be more expansive. Yeah. As, as indeed, it won't come as a shock to Ian Watson if he is tuning in. I think he probably does know. <laughs> well, what's his name used to do, doesn't he? The, the old coach, Simon... Oh, what's he called? Before Ian Watson. Rick Stan. No, no, after Rick Stan. After Rick Stan. Uh, sorry, Simon, if you're still watching, you won't still be watching. Aussie fella. Yes. I, yeah. Him. Someone will tell me. I don't know the coach's names these days, let alone anyone else. Um, anyway... Um, Mark says Phil Clark has brought the game into disrepute when his chief yeah, remarks should be reprimanded for it oh, he should make a full apology on Sky Banjo Banjo says we'd have Phil Clark apologising every day if he had to apologise for bringing the game into disrepute the, the thing is that's what pundits are there to what, do what, isn't what, it I apologise for what I maybe yeah. I missed that comment what was his Just comment saying Saints were cheating Wolford Simon Wolford thank, thank you Banjo thank you um, the crowd at Wigan don't look good too. Maybe that's because they're from Wigan, says Carsten. Hi, Carsten. How's uh, Switzerland today? Huddersfield need to promote better. They've only just come back on YouTube, says Tony. Um, and he also says Lee's rebrand is working. Could get over 9,000 on Thursday night. Looking forward to this one. I think I'm at work for it. But, uh, oh, no, I'm not. I'm at, I'm at Fed. Uh, Lee bouncing off the win at Hull, who are, I know I've jumped over Friday. We'll come back to Friday in a minute. But you mentioned the um, 24, 16 win, winners at Hull. You can't stop this uh, leopard bounce at the minute. They're, where are they now on the table? Far away from the bottom. They've won three of their six games. I think if you just said after six rounds, and we've said it before, that ideally a league table probably shouldn't come out until after about five or six rounds as you're running up to Easter, because it, it gives you a chance to have a more... Um, reasoned overview of how teams are playing. Um, if you'd have said that after six games, Lee would have won half of them, and that there were other teams below them that now, even if they lose to them home and away, they're still not going to get above Lee. That is an astonishing start to the season. But including St Helens at home, and, uh, and, and Hull away, away is never an easy game. So. Well, especially after Hull played so well against St Helens the week before. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, clearly the, there's something about this Lee team, and it, it's. Yes, it's very experienced and um, yes, at the moment it's not really suffering from injuries and, and it will test the depth of the squad when they do. But they came up with a with a sense of purpose and for all of the stuff that we might shudder when we hear Derek Beaumont doing it, it's buying, isn't it? It's going back to what we've said about a feel-good factor around Wrexham. There's one around I Lee. Think, I think it's great. However he's done it, I think it's exactly what the sport needs. Though. It needs people to talk about it. Yeah, OK, I know there was criticism as to whether he was talking to just rugby league people or not people outside the sport. But people are talking about it. And it's clearly it's clearly working. 
because whether that's um, whether that's unified them as a as a set of players against other teams or other clubs, I'm not sure, or the response externally to the, the, the colours that they're now wearing or the, the patterns that they're now wearing on the shirts. But the fans must have bought into it, and you know, with good performances and wins, um, you know, it it, it, it only serves to reinforce it. Goes back to yeah. what you were saying about making it an occasion. People Absolutely. now want to go and see a game at Lee because. Well, people are waiting to know what who's which band is on next. I mean, I don't know the band. Was it this week? Is the, the lottery winners? Oh, lottery yeah, winners. That's it. Yeah. But again, the, the, the thing was, I said after round one, it's not about round one. It's about two, three, four, and they're doing. They are yeah, doing yeah. something every week. So and they've got a hugely marketable game this week against mm. their rivals in the borough. The, you know, the battle of the yeah. borough. And if that game had come on in week um, seven and Lee were nil and six, and Wigan were six and six, it wouldn't have had all of that riding on it. They've got almost a perfect storm. They're playing really well. They can knock their big brother off. Um, why, uh, there's pre-match entertainment. There's the feel-good factor. Why wouldn't you want to go if you were in the area? I, I think that probably could be the game of the weekend. Yeah, potentially. And I, and I think, the, and my understanding is that Lee started their women's team mm-hmm. this weekend. Yeah. Um, so, positive steps, I think. Yeah, and they've got a good ground in terms of modern amenities. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I think it's ex- it is exactly what the sport is. It really doesn't help Wakefield or, in some respects, Castleford, but it's a great story. And that that win at Hull is really big. Um, clearly, we need to talk about what may or may not be going on at Hull, and um, you know the, the role now that Tony Smith has in not just taking on a club with potential, but one that isn't already in six six games fulfilling that potential. But that's a big win. You know, Hull were humiliated, uh, then went to St Helens and got some of their self-respect back. They then go home where they've got to put in a performance to reinvigorate those home fans that, uh, you know, were so disappointed by that Salford game. And Lee beat them and beat them and were 16-0 up early on and, and were in total control of that game all the way through it, listening to the radio commentary, which... Um, you know, that can only well, be full it, credit to Lee. Absolutely, but I think, it, again, it goes back to what I said last week, that for me, and you're asking probably a lot here for Hull FC fans to be patient, because they probably feel they've been patient <laughs> yeah. for a number of years, but when you bring in a new coach, you not you can't expect him to work wonders overnight, and I think he probably realises he's got you know he's got a job on his hands, hasn't he? He's got a squad, as we talked about last week, where the majority of the squad, uh, their contracts are up at the end of the year, and I It'll be probably no surprise that that squad will probably the makeup of that squad will change significantly next year. Um, so they, this year is very much about you know trying to do as as well as they possibly can do. They do look very much like Warrington did this you know last year as the season went on. It was harder and harder for them to coalesce a group of people, most of whom knew they weren't going to be there this year. Castleford have got the same issue that a lot of players who are coming out of contracts at the end of the season. You just look at the way both teams are playing at the moment and. I don't, I, never having been a player or understood what it's like to have your livelihood questioned, um, I, I don't know how easy it is to all be singing off the same hymn sheet, but, it, but it, it, it can't be, as a coach, an easy environment to get your message across. No, probably and, not. Especially if the coach has already told some of them that he doesn't rate them, that they're not going to be there next I, year. I don't imagine those conversations will have taken place yet. Um, I think you'd be foolish if you did. I suspect agents are pushing for answers on probably because they need to but they need to know by May you know, the first. If you're if a coach, you're saying, well, you need to, you know, you know, players need to prove themselves, don't yeah. they? And then you know they, they make the decision easier for the club. So 
But, you know, looking at Castleford and looking at Hull, they both put in good performances the week before and then they both put in poor performances this week. So, again, it's what we said about consistency, or rather inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And those teams that are probably going to finish lower down the table are going to be more um, more inconsistent. Well, Wakefield are consistent. And uh, it's got a bit of a feeling at the minute of Halifax 2003. Especially with the half-built stand, at least it's going to get finished. But it is a concern. But, you know, hopefully are good. I, th- I think the concern is that that was, again, a, on paper, yeah. a winnable game for Wakefield before it kicked off. You know, you got Hulk Hour, who were out, uh, started to go a little bit out of form. They'd lost three on the trot, and they'd come back from the south of France. Um, you would have thought that, you know, if Wakefield were going to put on their first win, that that would be... An ideal opportunity to do it, and again, I'm, I'm not sure because I didn't see the game, but I never felt with what was coming through and trying to follow it uh, as it unfolded that they were in control of it. They looked like they were going to win it, and and again, it's it's a margin of defeat that that hints at something more than it's just the quality of the opposition that they've played. Um, maybe that's harsh on Hulk KR and they were exceptionally good. But Two lunies already in. Uh, That's a fullback only playing his second game, so obviously you've got players in positions they're not used to playing in at the Super League level. And Loneys who are coming in from the academy of other Super yeah. League teams. So and you've got a change in coaches again, haven't you? You know, mm. you've got a new assistant coach that's new into the club. I mean, clearly the head coach is not new to them, but he'll be putting his own stamp on that squad because that ultimately is why they why they made the, the coaching change at the end of last year. So. Things will have changed behind the scenes, and it's how your players adjust to that as well, isn't it? But that Wakefield Castleford game sounds like it, <laughs> oh, I mean, it could look, be a could be a, well. Lee we're not we're talking about quality of game. That might yeah. be the best quality game. Guess going to change but, it because there might be some rain in Castleford. <laughs> I remember refereeing a game. At, I think remember refereeing at Easter the Wakefield Castleford game a few years ago, and it was freezing and it was pouring with rain. I think it was the game where I think Daryl Powell was looking out of the out of the, <laughs> the, the UPBC window, window to <laughs> see to see the action because he couldn't see because of the rain on the window. Um, but uh, but that was a good game. I think we ended up with a, a two point or a one point margin or something like that. So um, people have got to look forward to that uh, at Easter in a couple of weeks. Sometimes the games you expect to be rubbish turn out to be great, and, and sometimes they also turn out to be rubbish as well. Um, so the final game we have, oh no, we two games in Super League. Sorry, uh, on the telly, Wigan uh, beating Salford. Come to Castle. Your game of the week. I thought it was a tremendous game. Yeah, it really was. The test for me is if I'm watching a game and I'm and I'm hooked by it. That's a good game because you know, as a referee, you see so much rugby and you overanalyze things, um, which takes out the fun of 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 um, often what you what you're watching. Because you end up sort of refereeing the game from the sofa, <laughs> um, and uh, but for me, I thought it was tremendous. You know, we had how many one-on-one ball steals? Yeah. We had uh, outrageous dummies and, and and wonderful tries. I think was it uh, Jai Field that jumped from like a leaping salmon from the field to knock a ball back in in the, in, in play, uh, which was tremendous. I just thought it. I thought it was a great entertainment. You know, yeah, it didn't have the points that that Saturday's game had. But I thought the quality was there, and um, you, you just see the sort of brilliance of individual players like French mm. and the field. Uh, was Wigan's tactical change as well, just as Salford was starting to wane, putting field up into the line, bringing French into fullback, and again, you know, taking cost off, and and the coach 
not being apologetic for it, but just saying, oh, it wasn't his night. You know, that, to me, that, that was another measure of Matty Pete's development as a coach and why he has been been so good for this Wigan team. Patience, again, all coaches want, want patience. For 70 minutes, it probably was Salford's game. They were a bit unlucky with the injuries that they had and running out of players. But Wigan found something when it mattered. And, and again, that storyline, yeah. they're always behind, always behind. Are they going to do it? Can they possibly do it? Fans are, are getting a bit nervy in the stands because they think they might be seeing the, the team get defeated at home. And then they find a way to win it. It, 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 was, a, it was a really entertaining game. As Richard really says, sort of a sign of a of a quality team often that, that may not necessarily perform to the best, but actually found a way to win, which is what Wigan did. But fairness to Salford, I, I thought Briley had a great game. Mm. You know, really good uh, first try from that grubber kick into the corner, which which was just an imaginative piece of play. And I think that's what why Salford are really good to watch because nobody quite knows what they're going to do next. Well, that's what Huddersfield need a bit of Salford. Yeah. That, um, it, it, everybody build it beforehand as the contrasting styles that you know Wigan are very much let's keep building pressure and then see what comes at the end of it and Salford as if it's on we'll just play yeah. um, and and have that innate belief in each other that um, that that if, if somebody makes a break or can see a pass on that that they need to support it yeah. I think Fields tackle on uh, on Joe Burgess was was another incident in that game that summed it up you know had Burgess managed to get round him Salford win the game. The yeah. fact that Field read it so well and made an absolutely beautiful one-on-one tackle to to halt it, we, we're going to still in the game and then yeah, go on and win it. You're right, and I, but I think that came off a, a, a kick which where Wigan couldn't get out of their own twenty. Mm. They only made it halfway, and then and then Briley put the pass into Burgess and they attacked from fifty meters so out. It's beautiful flat. Pass. Absolutely, it was it was great. That, I thought that was fantastic, and um, yeah. I mean, not just their attack, Salford's defence at the start of the second half, they, they, they defended four successive sets from Wigan. So, you know, you, people sort of wax lyrical about their attack, but actually, their defence was, was equally as good. There's a man playing with technology here. Well, it appears we, we've gone off YouTube, but uh, just right. to talk about the delete. Um, Warrington, well, what... Castleford is where I should start with. What a difference a week makes. Last week, Andy Last in the dressing room giving it all this, and now they lose 38-0 to uh, Warrington. Now, granted, Warrington are quite good, I understand, but that is, that is quite some turnaround in results from week one to week two. But is that... I don't know. I mean, you, you, this probably sounds stupid, but they probably wouldn't have earmarked that as a win, would they? No. Uh, and, you know, I'm a big believer in, in, in psychology and, and the importance of it in, in sport, and I wonder whether... I mean, said that they were at St Helens a week before. No, 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 they weren't. I'm mixing them up with Hull. Where were they, were they the week before? And they, oh, they won at home against Leeds. So yeah, that makes sense in that they've got their local rivals who they always want to beat at yeah. home. Yeah. And then they're playing Warrington, who perhaps were, they're probably less favoured. Now I, I don't know whether that does play a, a part. Perhaps consciously it doesn't, but subconsciously may. Um, but who do they play this week? Castleford. Go to Catalan. Yeah, well, that's not going to be easy, is it? No, <laughs> no. I, I think it's the nil. Um, yeah. You know, I think at home you need to give your fans something. Um, and yes, Warrington are good, and yes, they're powerful. And uh, the, the, you're right that there's a psychological high when you you know you you've beaten your your nearest and not so dearest mm. um, because you've got off the mark and there's a little bit of pressure off. And Andy Last is hearing all of the players say, you know, that we we know. Uh, what we want to be and how we want to be it and he's the man to take us forward and then you think right well we'll build on that and actually you don't you, you go backwards again um, that that would be the worry 
for, for me, if I, I was a Castleford uh, fan or, or part of their coaching staff, for, for Warrington, it's remorseless. Um, you know, to play well at, at Weldon Road, you just need to play up the middle with your big pack doing everything they can to, to dominate the opposition. And they've got all of that at the moment. They look a really well-balanced team. But so to do it without Josh Drinkwater, who normally in, you know, in, in, in that sort of smaller ground, would, his kicking game would be absolutely um, ridiculously advantageous. Um, that just says something about where Warrington are at the moment and the level that they're playing at. So uh, Easter's going to be really interesting because they get Wigan and Saints over Easter. Yeah, and I think I think non-Warrington people are, are, are sort of waiting for that, aren't they? They're almost <laughs> they're almost hoping that they will lose so they can say it's not Warrington's year. But uh, yeah, that's going to be the test, isn't it? And it's never easy over over Easter anyway, is it? But um... It's reaction, and, and that's what Steve McNamara was saying, that it's not about losing your first game. You know at some point yeah. you're going to lose. It's how you react yeah. to it. And, but uh, confidence breeds confidence, yeah, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think you know you, you get on a roll, and it, 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 yeah, it's the same as a referee, really, I suppose. You, you know, you, there, are, there will be times in your career as a player or as a referee or any sports person where you think, actually, there's almost nothing you can do wrong because everything you kind of touch work comes off. Yep. and people talk about creating your own look maybe maybe there is an element of that but I just think it's about confidence uh, they, they, there's no doubt they're playing with confidence at the moment as you said the challenge will come when inevitably they do lose because uh, I think there's very few teams will go through Super League unbeaten and they're taking big away followings I think there were was there a couple of thousand there at Castleford on, on Friday night I think it was their highest away their highest away at attendance at Cast. yeah uh, which again just says something about the buy-in. You know, when, when the season kicked off six weeks ago, there was a real scepticism amongst Warrington fans. Like, mm. you've, again, you've sold us this dream. Can you deliver? Because you know we're the ones that have to go to everybody's ground and and take the mocking songs. Yeah. And it starts well, and suddenly within six weeks they're taking a record attendance to Castleford. There, there again clearly is something that the Warrington fans are seeing that they're that they're com- completely buying into. Mm. I f- I'm, I'm pleased for Daryl Powell because I think the way he wants to play the game and um, the, a season that he had last year that he's not used to having to have come out of that the other side with the team that he wants playing the way that he wants so quickly at the start of a season. That, I think that's a testament to him. Yeah, I think, and I'm pleased for him because yeah, things can change so quickly, though. So I think oh, you know, I think you know, I'm sure Warrington won't be behind the scenes. They won't be getting carried away, no. and it'll be that you know, looking at next week and who they play next week, and it becomes boring. Yes, but that's that is what teams do. That they will only focus on what's, what's coming up. Successful the teams, yeah, do. absolutely, because they'll look at the performance, and there'll be things that they'll have done at Castleford that they won't be happy with. Mm-hmm. The things that they'll need to improve going into this week, and those are the areas they'll focus on as well as what they've been doing well on, and that's how you build performances week to week without. Focusing too much on the end goal. I just think the nil for Cass is a real worry. We mentioned Thomas McKelly leaving earlier, didn't we? And, and yes. You're not, you're, you don't think it'd be a ma- not a massive hold to fill. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, I think he started the season really, really well. In fact, in the the first game, it was noticeable that all of the focus of attention rightly was on Paul Vaughan, but McKelly wasn't that far behind him in the impact that he had. And I think he's been really consistent and a uh, you know. Cassiano, I think, has picked up a ban um, in, in this round of disciplinary. So it's great to have a, a Michele type to come in. and They can fill the gaps. So it's going to leave a hole. Um, whether they think they've got enough with... Uh, I mean, James Harrison was, was injured, wasn't he? I don't know how long he's out for. They, they are going to have to um, look at how they fill that. And, and it's a blow. But, you know, he, he has family that want to go back to Australia, Gold Coast... Have come in and said that they need a prop. They've got a, 
an injury and, and the need to cover it. And, and so I think Saturday will be his last game. Um, it will be a blow, but not but not a fatal one, that's for sure. Um, on the last video, which I've now lost the live chat for, we were asked about the uh, rumours from Australia that apparently there's going to be a Four Nations tournament down there because they've rediscovered international rugby, which is going to involve Tonga, but... It's not. Steve Mascord it's not. Uh, put the story out early saying it's not going to... Tonga are coming here. So yes. My don't, don't yeah, my understanding is it's a three-match test series against Tonga here. Yeah, Tonga um, may or may not have been asked to play in that Four Nations, but they reckon that financially and in terms of developing their team, it is far better that they come here and play a three-match series. So if there is a, a Four Nations... Um, and that they very well could be and perhaps should be in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, it will involve either Fiji or PNG along with Samoa and good. New Zealand and Australia. It won't be Tonga. They, Tong- they are earmarked to come here. They may play Samoa in, in a warm-up game before they come over here. And they can sell a load of shirts over here. If they bring them with them. Make sure you bring them but with we them. need that. I mean, I know that it's not within the realms of the RFL to yeah, announce that at the moment, but we could do with you know the venues being announced for that <laughs> sooner rather than later. Um, if you had one, I don't know how much 1.6 million Australian dollars is but um, I think if I were running are they called Rugby Australia because that's the kind of thing they call themselves isn't it I can think of better ways of spending 1.6 million to build my sport than signing one player but I'm not Rugby Australia so I just don't know how they'll ever get that money back because clearly um, I don't know who he would play for in the domestic competition but I'm not sure that uh, that that is an investment other than out of sheer panic. The Waratahs or the Rugby, they're the only teams like the Reds. But they only play about seven or eight games a year. So if you divide $1.6 million by that, it's it's a hell of an investment. With no degree of certainty. I don't know anything about Rugby Union, but I'm not sure an outside back is going to solve your problem. They've just discovered scoring tries in the corner. Right. So, right. Tom Johnson's not injured either. That's good news from... From Saturday. He wasn't <laughs> shot by a sniper. <laughs> no, he just fell over. Cramp. Thank goodness for that. Um, so the Super League fixes this week. Lee Wigan on Thursday night on the telly. Watch that if you can. Friday night, Hull Cow leads on the telly. Saints leads, uh, Saints Wayfield not on the telly. So that's a shame, isn't it? I remember uh, commentating on the Saints Wayfield game uh, on my own because nobody else was there. Uh, and uh, the referee gave a, a penalty try and wait for one which so thanks to that for James that was, that was really nice of you to do it. Was it you? oh yeah it was me yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was because yeah. this, this was we had a great discussion once on back in the Radio Yorkshire days of how um, Wakefield always lost when you were in charge which people forgot was because Wakefield were rubbish rather than it being... Oh, yeah, no, it's, it was often quoted to me yeah. by people involved at Wakefield as well. Mm. But, I mean, yeah, absolutely right, forgetting that what's their, what's their win percentage in Super League. <laughs> you know, I feel seen now. Uh, on Saturday, Catalan's Castle, which I'm guessing is not on telly over here, but it's in... in it's it was, it was very interesting. Now, they're taking, again, matches that are on oh, Sky. And, but they keep of... of took coverage of Saturday and again they've got 6.5 million Twitter followers and they were showing the highlights the the French commentary um, of, of all the tries not just the Dragons tries and, and yeah, it, it's great and that and that's been shown in, in Spain as well on TV3 for the first time so yeah now that game won't be which which is a shame but uh, yeah it'd be interesting to see that how the Dragons uh, respond to defeat as Steve McNamara said the Spanish will be able to get a grip on rugby league com- uh, really easily because that's where 3-2-1 came from and if you can understand the rules of 3-2-1 you can understand the rules of rugby league 
one for the teenagers. On Channel 4, Warrington Hull FC. Sunday, Salford versus Huddersfield. That'll be a good game. That will be interesting, because that'll be a measure of two teams, again, that play in a completely different way. Um, Salford will be looking to score on as many opportunities as they can, and can they break down the process Didn't of Didn't they play in the playoffs last year at Huddersfield? Was that Huddersfield against Salford? The same weekend. Or was that the year before? No, I think it... The Huddersfield played at home in the, in the opening round of the playoffs last year. Because I remember I yes. had Catalan against yes. Leeds, which yes. was like World War Three. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, probably the hardest game I've ever done in Super League. And then the following day yes. was a it was a tremendous game, completely different game, really. And um, you know, it was one of those games when I was watching it and thinking, why didn't I get to referee this game? <laughs> because this was far easier than the game I got to referee. In the, the unpredictable championship, which has reached round seven already, Featherstone Rovers remain unbeaten. Their fans are not happy, but they've won 46-4 over York. Well done, Featherstone. I'll be there on Thursday. Toulouse lost to the Sheffield Eagles. The, the mighty Eagles, 32-4. Again, the manner of Eagles' victory. They're, they're starting to now be seen for what they are, and that is a team that has a genuine chance of upsetting the apple cart this year. I don't know if they've signed uh, a lot of different players this year, but... They've signed a lot and they've put them on long, longish contracts right. as well. Uh, they've got a new backer who right. who apparently is, um, is is extremely wealthy and, and likes the IMG proposals because he can see that there could be a return on the kind of a investment. Well, they're not going to be able to play at that ground in no. <laughs> Super League, are they? They're <laughs> not going to get a, a, a licence there. But there is ground around it that can be developed. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they uh, with, re, with re performances and results like that, you know, you, you cannot take them granted anymore no they're obviously playing well dream big one day the Eagles wheelchair team could play at the arena Game in there. Um, Barrow beat Halifax 16-12 in another surprise results um, Barrow's first one in the season indeed and they go above uh, Newcastle on points difference Newcastle uh, losing at witness 24-16 a game in which I saw uh, John Keir quoted as saying it was a fake win well witness were hanging on at the end that is for sure um, Whitehaven lost to the Bulldogs 16-18 I must say I listened to that yesterday afternoon on Radio Cumbria um, and I have to compliment their commentary um, incredibly passionate really knowledgeable great excitement a game that went down literally to the last play and it, it was a pleasure to listen to the Radio Cumbria commentary of that London beat Swinton in another close game 16-14 coming from behind at half time in that one so a big result for London and of course the Cougars beating Bradford and it's not just that they beat Bradford it's the, the scoreline there 24-0 up at half time 34-6 at the close I have read some comments that perhaps Bradford having to fit in the lone players from Leeds didn't help but do they have to take players on loan? They, they, had, they had them the week before and it didn't seem to do them any harm <laughs> excuses, excuses, excuses but Keithley big winners Luke Gale's got a try He's famous. And that is their first win over Bradford since 1970-something. Three wins from seven. Good start to their life back in the Championship. It's how they back it up this week. Um, but again, that, that as it, uh, we're told, was a fantastic occasion. I think you're looking at the squad. That it, I wouldn't have predicted that they would be at the bottom end of the Championship, to be honest. I would have thought that they would be mid-table-ish, mm. something like that. Um, they've invested, you know, into that squad. So I think, you know, 
Newcastle and uh, Barrow towards the bottom end, they, they look like they're, they're going to struggle this year and Swinton towards the bottom, aren't they? But then, as we've said, for time immemorial, if you have distributions in the league that are dependent on where you finished the year before, the top will always be towards the top, the bottom. There's exceptions, because clearly Batley have cut their budget even though they've made a grand final, and Keithley have had investors that have probably put more in than uh, merely they would be getting from central distribution. But whatever the change is in terms of licensing and how that works and who ends up where, I do hope that the central distribution in the Championship going forward is equal. Because I think you'll have an even better competition if it is. I suppose the, the, the devil's advocate argument would be how do you reward performance? Do you reward performance by pay, giving them extra prize money? Yes, absolutely. You, you, have, you have two competitions, the 1895 Cup and a Championship Grand Final that has prize money attached to it, the winner-take-all. But for your, for your league season whereby there isn't an automatic promotion or relegation at the end of it, if you're moving into a licensing era club should start on a level playing field and that makes that competition even better uh, it's, it's, it's clearly good at the moment but it's not a surprise that you know Swinton and Barrow might struggle if, if they've got maybe half to a, you know, a quarter of the money that other clubs at the top end of the division have got what was Barrow's crowd? Because Barrow have been getting some good crowds. 1,879. Yeah. yeah in fact, all the crowds in the Championship yeah. were pretty good, actually. I think yeah. um, even allowing for the fact that we have the BD Derby, you know, almost 2,000 at Barrow, almost 3,000 at Featherstone, almost 5,000 at Keithley, uh, 1,000 at Sheffield, which, again, from where they've been and with the facility they've got, it is not a bad effort at all. 1,000 at Whitehaven um, and nearly 3,000 at Widnes. You know, that, that, that's sustainable. And it probably correlates with the probably. I'm, I'm assuming the attendances are probably up in Super League uh, as well. Whether that comes off the back of the World Cup, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I'm, 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 I was looking for the women's results in the paper and I can't find them, so I've had to go on to the RFL website. So I'll come to those in a moment. Kerry Nassie's Riley Dean back at Featherson. Yes, he is. Yes, he I'm was just, this week. Yeah. Oh, I should have just asked you and not had to look through the paper. Uh, losing Kieran Gill earlier and having a reshuffling in the left edge cost them dear, he says, badger, badger. Luke Gill dominated down that left edge for the last part of the first half and it killed Bradford. My first time at Cougar Park, can't help but think it would be improved with a working clock, never mind a big screen. Oh, I think they had a power outage, didn't they? Because Radio Leeds should have yeah. been commentating from that and it ended up being, I'm assuming, on off his mobile phone as just updates. <laughs> there there must have been too, power many, too many people pulling pints. <laughs> Reporting on mobile phone. Putting pies in the microwave. It <laughs> takes me back to the old days. days. Uh, in the Women's Championship, before I get to League Rooms, I've got it in front of me. Uh, Hull KR beats Swinton 58-6. They're going well at the start of the season now, the Rovers. Uh, Alton Ray, that's the champions last year, of course, beat Warrington's reserves 20 points to 14. Hull beat Wakefield 28-0. That's so the rustle of a biscuit, man. A biscuit. Stanley beat Sheffield Eagles. And Dewsbury Moore, who also started the season well, won away at Witness. Uh, it's the launch of the Women's Super League tomorrow. Content to follow. I don't know who we're going to speak to, so uh, stay tuned and find out over the next few days because I generally don't know who we're going to speak to. I don't have to watch him, but it's another Tunnock's. Tunnock's. Good people at Tunnock's. You have to tag him in to a tweet. At Tunnock's. Uh, unfortunately, says Badger Badger, the power cut didn't stop the Robbie Williams tribute at half time. <laughs> I don't, surely Keithley, I mean, come on last week with their big idea. They should have got the actual Robbie Williams in. Surely, surely. Sure. Let's wait for Lady Gaga at the grand final. We're gonna, I mean, we are going to get some 
The problem with the Grand Final Entertainment last year was it was a DJ who used to be on the BBC's niche radio station for hipsters. Not, not um, me then. No. So you, know, you agreed with that far too readily, by the way. Well, when I well, said not me then. No. There's nothing wrong with not being a hipster. Hipsters are bad people. But actually, oh, right. the crowds for the Grand Finals are generally not that bad. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's probably post-COVID where they've they've dropped, um, and then it depends on the teams. But what what the competition really needs is that game should sell out irrespective of yes. which teams are in exactly. and that, that game really should sell out in advance of the final and the advance of the, the finalists being known and that, that's yeah. where the sport needs to get to that people just want to go to the grand final and one of the things event. is you announce it well in advance who yeah. you're going to see as well as the two teams so yeah. you know if it is tell me who was doing the NFL grand was it Rihanna Rihanna, Rihanna yeah, yeah. Rihanna, yeah. But if you know you're getting somebody of that name, you, d- you don't wait until the day before and tell people. You might buy a ticket because Lady Gaga is doing the pre-match entertainment. Well, you, people would. There's no doubt about that. More neutrals would definitely buy tickets for events like that. It's just um, whether you'd get that recoup that money. <laughs> <laughs> Do we go with the if the grand, if the Challenge Cup final is going to have three games in one day, which is going to be a stretch for the neutral, but still. Do you sell that as the big rugby league's big day out? You know, Rugby Union has their big games at Twickenham or whatever. I think they played one at Spurs this week as well. Well, particularly if the Magic and, uh, is, which weekend yeah. is going and the Summer Bash is going with the IMG plans mm-hmm. and it is Rugby League's big day out. Mm-hmm. Um, but traditionally it has been, hasn't it? You see lots of neutral people wearing their own shirts. So, and I guess that's what we need to go back to. But they've thrown enough games now at that competition <laughs> no. to try and sell it out. And I, I think Wembley is such a big stadium to, to pack out. Um, it's almost a little bit too big for rugby league, and but that's probably the event where you do need a big name, mm-hmm. you know, uh, entertainment draw for people. Let's bring back the community singing. There's no room. <laughs> We've got the school swangle as well. He's back at Wembley this year, so there's, there's no time for anything to be done. Yeah, but there's a huge stadium with ninety thousand seats. You don't need to have it on the pitch, Absolutely. do you? Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and certainly and Lee you, are not doing that are they I think that's in the back of the yeah. stand you, and, and in the grand final Warrington you have it in the that. corner yeah. Magic Weekend's the same so you just need a section of that stadium which you dedicate to, to, to some entertainment just not a DJ because it's just cheap and apart from Leeds doing it next week that's different that's a regular home season game not a grand final uh, League One Congratulations, Cornwall. They've won their first ever home fixture in front of a crowd of not uh, t- uh, not given. Uh, 35-10 <laughs> over London Scholars. As you're saying downstairs, Phil, it, it's great for Cornwall, but they, they've beaten London Scholars, who were bottom of the table. And Yeah, I think there's still yeah. talk of this takeover at the Scholars. It seem, seems it's not like to, the takeover at Salford. It seems to me that it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Um, because, again, all of these teams know that there is a potential limited shelf life on, on what they're doing and there, there are those at the top that are scrabbling to be in the championship when licences come and again Dewsbury have, have had another big win and, and Doncaster undefeated but you know, and Midlands Hurricanes are clearly improving they're pushing more teams yeah. this year you, you know, Cornwall and London need to know what the future is but also how well equipped are they to face it The Midlands incremental games losing 38-28 to Workington Whose winger scored five tries deserves a mention. Sabuti. Mm. I'm sure I've pronounced that incorrectly. Apologies, Warrington. Uh, Warrington. Workington. Close enough. Uh, Batley. Uh, I'm reading the bottom end of the last week's results. Sorry. Uh, also in League One, because it's a lopsided table, I'm confused. North Wales 4, 
Oldham 18, obviously boosted by the news that George Ford might play them for them in 20 years' time. <laughs> I've never seen I, I I don't know how good he is. I've never seen him play. I just know he's Mike Ford's son. Um, but they but North Wales with zero from four, which which is surprising. Um, and, and Rochdale, as you say, heavily beaten by Dewsbury, 52-4. So Rochdale only winning one of their three games so far. It is a lopsided table. Cornwall, Cornwall have only played two games, so and he's very confusing as to and that's difficult for teams as well if you can't get continuity from week to week then as a coach it must be really really hard but um, yeah you'll be pleased that uh, that Dewsbury I honestly couldn't care less which sounds don't say that that might sound awful for Dewsbury but I mean as a you know yes it was my my hometown team um, and it's the team I watched as as a child but you know long lost interest really in, in, in Dewsbury uh, but it, it, you what know, would tempt nevertheless, you, what would tempt you? A Sunday afternoon, you you you're free. It wouldn't. Well, no, Liam it, Finn coaching yeah. top of the league. What what could they do to take you? It's not a bad facility. Either. No, no, and it's not a reflection on the club or the people that are there or the stadium or whatever. It's just it doesn't matter what team it would have been as a child. That that team for me does it doesn't have an interest anymore as it as it would do as a child. So, but nevertheless, it's you know. I am a, I am originally from Dewsbury. My parents still live there, and, and my family still live there. So it, it's good for the town to see them doing well in in, in League One. No doubt about that. Challenge Cup this week, which means a lot of teams get buys uh, in the league. Uh, Keighley at home to North Wales on Saturday. London Broncos take on Doncaster at Rosslyn Park. Is that what, is that who uh, Martin Fire played for? He did. That's, That's where he came. Most famous son. Um, and he's, is he still saying electric cars on the telly? <laughs> um, still no it's Hanley's really birthday today, by the way. There you go. Another Hall of Famer. No rugby really plays on um, Question of Sport yet. When, when's Tom Halliwell going to be on there? And, uh, oh, we had some players okay. last year. Rugby really plays on Question of Sport This is a year. new series now, so we've started again uh, with our yeah. campaign to get people back on the telly. Well, I, I was on it, but that doesn't count because I'm not a player. <laughs> Most watched episode on it. Was it? Oh, I don't no, know about I that. I've <laughs> lots of got on Top Gear, you know, going back this year. Um, Rochdale Mayfield versus Newcastle Thunder. That'd be interesting. Bear in mind that Mayfield beat <laughs> Cornwall yeah. and Thunder are not in great form. Sunday, Dewsbury Witness. And of course, teams are looking at this now as a. So you a, go to that, don't you? Cup tie, Dewsbury <laughs> No, I don't think Bring back the old days? No, no, no. Um, Teams looking at this now, getting closer to the eighteen ninety five cut off yeah. thing. So witness going to Dewsbury. Obviously, you mentioned Dewsbury being informed, but John Keir, Wembley, Cut Magic, blah blah blah, and all that. So Halifax versus Barrow, same same theory. Hunslet who played this week, of course, the reverse fixture. Hunslet amateurs versus Batley, which has been played at Batley because they won't allow it to be played at Hunslet. Amateur rugby what, what is that club? Is that the old it's the Warriors? Merger, it's the merger of the Warriors and the Parkside. Uh, Park oh, okay. They're, right. they're a, the, the super club right. now. In, uh, what, why are they still called ARLFC when they're community clubs? Why are they CRLFC? Don't I've mentioned this before. I, I don't know, know why the professional club is RLFC and the amateur club is ARLFC because outside of Hunslet you would not know the difference. Midlands versus Bradford in Bradford at the Old Source. I hope Hopefully Midlands have been practising on a tiny pitch this week for that one. And all these people signing up Wakefield's pitch. What a load of nonsense that was as well. That was great for the media again, wasn't it? Monday, is the game going to be off? Tuesday, is the game going to be off? Tuesday later, oh, it's on. I refereed the second game back at Odsall. Um, was it last year? I can't remember the year before. I'm losing track of the years. But 
it was ridiculous. <laughs> Absolute, I'm, uh, absolutely ridiculous. Like, I've been on far better park pitches than that. It was... They, they, they changed the dimensions of the pitch, I think, after those first couple of games. So they made it slightly uh, wider, uh, but slightly shorter. But outrageous, really, that it, it was allowed to be played on in, the, in those dimensions. And I appreciate it was the same for both teams. Yeah, I think the, but, I think the RFL... Um, contacted the landlord who was the RFL and said the game could go. Yeah, well, we talk about conflict of interest. <laughs> that, that probably sounds like a conflict of interest. But, um, you know, and I appreciate, you know, they want to try and encourage teams to play in their, you know, their, their hometown instead of Bradford playing at Dewsbury, which wasn't ideal either. I get that. But, you know, signing that, that deal with, um, with the, the, what, the trucks, what do they call what they the call Monster trucks. The monster trucks. <laughs> what do you get a monster truck on the pitch? Perhaps was a little bit short-sighted because, <laughs> um, you know, the dimensions of the pitch were, were probably uh, an afterthought. These are to represent Bradford's massive goalposts, which they made a big thing about. That was, a, was that a world record as well? Oh, I would imagine so, yeah. World record. It's going to be a world record crowd for Midlands versus Bradford this week. So, well done to them. And York versus Sheffield Eagles. Which That'd be interesting. Very, the and- Andrew Henderson derby. Is that on the BBC or the Sportsman? It's on one of them, I think. He hasn't said on here which is the BBC game, which is annoying. I think they've only just announced it. I tell you what, as much as the RFL gets a lot of stick, sometimes justified, sometimes not, just in case they're listening, which we know they are. The Football Association haven't announced which FA Cup semi-finals could be on which day yet. And they have had a week since the quarter-finals. Oh, they made a mistake of taking to Wembley, didn't they? Well, my, my mate's a Blades fan, he's trying to gamble on which day to get train tickets to go to London for but he said he'd just go stay in a casino all night that was interesting though that they did both rounds drawn at the same time I don't mm. know why they did that but because um, I always think the next round draw generates it's interest for that yeah. I don't know why yeah. they did that yeah well they always used to be on a Monday as well afterwards and you, you, you know, yeah. you'd crowd round the radio at quarter past six or whatever it yeah. might have been to, to Spanish get football in the Copa del Rey I believe, or they used to do it, they draw all the rounds out from round one at the same time. No sense of adventure. I suppose it's a bit like tennis, you know, when you go to see yeah, Wimbledon, yeah, you see that on the yeah, big board, don't you? You yeah. see the, the draw, basically. Yeah. Right? But I think by doing a draw round by round, oh, you generate so. interest for the subsequent yeah. round. And I don't think they should give you the numbers on the balls beforehand either, because the joy used to be when you had a little transistor radio. You didn't know what number your team... You were trying to work out alphabetically, oh, well, I know it's going to be in the middle, and it might be 11, oh, no, it could be 12, because Lee was 11, and, and yeah. you didn't know in advance. Look out for balls. No, I don't so want to look words. out. You see, there's so many words at the bottom. You see, yeah, out. before the days of the internet, you'd listen to the radio, yeah. wouldn't you, and you'd write them all down. Yeah, write absolutely. the numbers down. I remember doing this as a kid. You'd write the numbers yeah. down, because... You know, uh, Scoey's uh, C-Fax couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> couldn't keep up with that. Um, so, yeah, those were the days, huh? Leeds must have played well this week. He texted me at the oh, full time. Yeah. Oh, he can text, can he? Yeah. yeah. What, was his, what was his reaction? <laughs> <laughs> well, while you find it... Bloody marvellous. Badger Badger says he believes York are on the BBC and Dewsbury Witness are on the Sportsman. So, thanks, Badger Badger, doing our jobs for us. And, I, you know, it should be in the paper. Has he got Wi-Fi yet? His initial reaction was great win, great character, sensational. What did he say at half time? Uh, He did did text that. (laughs) Oh, bloody rubbish. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Is that it? Have we we done? Is there anything else that's happening? I'm going to go to the the paper. No, I think we've we've covered virtually everything. Um, So next week. 
Yes, right. next week we're live. <laughs> we're not here. Well, well we are here. We're at Headingley. This is news to me. Yeah. <laughs> we're off the to Headingley. We're, we're off to Headingley because they're celebrating some of the great number 10s in, in history. Do I need to take a tin hat with me? No, you'll be fine. They love you. <laughs> yeah, to, uh, Steve Pitchford, Barry McDermott, um, Jamie Peacock. Peacock and Danica Preen. Oh, very fine. Uh, being interviewed by JJB, so I thought think we're going to try and get along there for six and do our show before it, and then maybe interview some of them afterwards. Dancing in front of the south stand. Who was? Danica. Oh, sorry. Lonnie Devine. Have you not seen it? It's all over. It's all over the TikTok and, and the Instagram. I don't. I haven't got TikTok. Already. I know you haven't, but you know it's just it's shocking, shocking behaviour. These pundits, they should be all neutral, like. Uh, I thought it worked on Channel 4 that um, clearly Sam Tompkins was taking the, the Catalan yeah. angle and he was he is very, very good. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that I'll be watching a comedy show with uh, Adam Hills and Helen Skelton doing two-handers because that didn't work at the start. That wasn't didn't, didn't say that. But then, you know, Danica having the Leeds perspective. Yeah, I saw, I and because it's quite relaxed between yeah. them all, it, oh, it really works. I think that's so... I need to, I'm not starting writing my column yet, so I better write something. But you better add I know. Um, I think that's part of the standing pitch side thing because mm. if you're sat in a studio, we're sat here and we're behind the desk, and you imagine that's what Sky are every week, aren't they? They're sat behind in their in their studio. They've got a table there. You're kind of confined, whereas you can move around and mm. here's someone coming in from here and here's somebody else coming in. It does feel, you know, it's within a minute of its broadcast, everything's planned and everything's planned, but it doesn't feel, feel that way no. because. Here's Ron Smith coming in. Here's whoever else is going to turn up. It, it does feel very free, which I think helps it. It, it was good. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Good. And it's good. Ashton Gordon was good, actually. On, very good. Uh, as very his good. summariser on the on, Friday game, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah, he's on was really the Super League show as yeah. well now, which is... Just offered a slightly different perspective, I thought. Something slightly different. Players are great. Current players are yeah, great. I, I They're agree. really good. So, yeah, Sam was, Sam was good. Well, he's got a media group. Didn't Sky used to sign him up years ago before he went to the NRL and made a big thing about signing him up as a pundit and then he went to the NRL and then... But he's back now. And he'll know that'll be on there next year. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they sign the deal. We've got a deal with next, next year. No news yet. Otherwise he might be eating pies on... We were last told that Sky were concentrating on the EFL football deal yes. and when they uh, had negotiated that and that part in it, then they would look at rugby league next. Our leads are not in crisis anymore. Kevin. Just will, just oh, come on, they will be next week, yeah. won't they, clearly? But they're uh, not this week. But congratulations, Warrington. Lineal champions of the world. Um, we'll see if they can defend that on Channel 4 this week. And that's what they so need. Hull could be world champions. Yeah, Adam Hills needs to mention that. Someone needs to get... Adam Hills, does he support? Exactly. Someone needs to get the message to, to Channel 4. Do we know anyone at Channel 4? I think we do. Well, if you, actually, we know a few people. <laughs> I keep forgetting them. <laughs> Brought in the dark, so I was expecting Mark to turn up. He wasn't on me. Right, we're done. Uh, we'll see you next week. Live from Headley. Fingers crossed if we get the Wi-Fi working. Do you know, do you know the passcode? I don't do you know, know, the passcode. Yeah. know the passcode. That's okay. I still, it's normally pretty good. I think I still get the one at Wakefield. Uh, but don't tell them. Uh, so we'll be back next week. Thank you for watching. And uh, yeah, download the podcast. Do all those things. I've forgotten the mouse. I've got to press it manually. <laughs>